Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on fakechef.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. Ben, did you want to did you want to come into this one singing um, Wiggles fruit salad? <laughs> <laughs> You've done it before. Just uh, start singing it. Just <laughs> fruit salad, yummy, yummy. Fruit salad, yummy, 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 yummy. Fruit salad. Good morning. Good morning. that it is a good morning whether I want it or not. Please go away. Let me speak for the love of God. How good's food, man? How good's food? Fuck, I love food. (laughs) All right, if today was your last day on Earth, what would your last meal be? Oh, I reckon some... Well, it'd be a tough one, but probably homemade lasagna. I reckon that's, uh, I'd give that a go. I had that last week. Good choice. Jared, what would yours? Uh, a tear-inducing curry that I wouldn't have to worry about it making an exit out of my body. So it could be as spicy and punchy as I want it to be because I'm not going to be around to see the aftermath or feel it. But others will. I will leave a soiled <laughs> yeah. deathbed. I would not want to be the coroner. <laughs> you would have to be pretty close to death to miss that exit. <laughs> yeah, true. True. It's going to pass fast. I reckon if I gave you a bit of bread with some fishing wire uh, in it, by the end of the day, I would have I could have it at both ends. <laughs> in your insides. Yeah. Well, that puts my Vio schnitzel to shame. <laughs> How do you guys feel about a buffet? Oh, I fucking love a buffet. <laughs> I knew I knew you'd say that. I do love a buffet, but it's never um, it's never as good as advertised. Like you yeah. never get it's not all the good foods. It's a couple of good foods that you have to have over and over again, and uh, they kick you out before you can uh, go back for like round ten, which to me is a ripoff. I'm down for a breakfast buffet, but other buffets. <laughs> I remember being quite young and, and not eating a lot at the buffet, but leaving with lots of cocktail frankfurts and dim sims, like a smorgies or something, <laughs> and thinking, what? why don't we come to this restaurant to eat frankfurts and dim sims? We can do this at home. <laughs> so, it's so you can watch uh, Alice Cooper's Feed My Frankenstein on the, uh, <laughs> the, video on the TV. The, the uncut, is it Feed My Frankenstein? No, what's the other one? Um... Poison. Poison, yeah, with the and it had like Pamela Anderson or something in the yeah. nude, and you could only see it on those video jukeboxes that they had at Smorgies and at uh, at the Swagman. Yes, <laughs> like, yes Swagman. You, and, you and twenty other fifteen-year-old boys just like <laughs> watching. <it. laughs> Parents are oblivious. Now I really wish I'd come into this show with Feed My Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> instead of fruit salad. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for pressing play, everybody. Welcome to Good Movie Monday, the weekly podcast presented by FakeShamp.net, home of the nerdy cinematic ramblings. My name is Glenn Cochran, and I will fight you for the chocolate mousse at the dessert buffet. And, uh, of course, the guy responsible for the installation of sneeze guards, Ben Helwig. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. And you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and you're used to hearing this guy at the quarterway mark of the show, but he's back for the long haul today, Jarrett Garn, who still can't get over the size of those Costco flank steaks. How are you, mate? Ridiculous. When are you going to have another barbecue? I guess when this <laughs> lockdown ends, because I want that steak. Any steak that you roll out like AstroTurf is something I want to put inside my body. Make it happen, Glenn. I'm good. <laughs> we can turn that bastard into a curry, mate. <laughs> oh, Yes. After that barbecue, I went to Costco looking for that steak and I could not find anything remotely like it. I was like, where did this, well, maybe this Glenn just made in his basement from uh, census takers or something. I... Oh no, you remember what I called the basement, don't you? <laughs> that was the Fritzel room. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, today's show is all about food, or more precisely, we'll be talking about movies that make us hungry. And keep listening because Ben will be performing his exclusive mukbang ritual. Looking forward to that, Ben. Oh, fuck. I didn't mean to do it. (laughs) I'm just going to enjoy this lovely bit of salmon. (laughs) Ooh. But what a shame, uh, what a shame Melbourne is still in lockdown because we can't gorge on shit tons of junk food together, man. Oh, I miss those that fish and chip shop near your place that makes <laughs> that has the big flakes. Oh, damn straight. <laughs> big flakes. I was gonna say the only problem with them is then they're they're, uh, they're not like the old school fish and chip shop where you when you order two potato cakes, what you really mean is I want to pay for two potato cakes, but you slip in a couple of free ones. They don't slip in the free ones. Very yeah. disappointing. There's yeah, a reason for that, but I, we won't talk about it. I feel like it's a lost art of the fish and chip shop these time, these days. You, you rarely get an extra dimmy or an extra potato cake or anything of that nature. It's <laughs> heartbreaking. Yeah. I know. Uh, reason for everything, but we'll talk about that off the microphone. <laughs> Thank you, uh, everybody that's listening. Get involved. Um, comment on today's show on our social media pages. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. We'd love to know what movies make you hungry. Uh, I'm definitely keen to know what makes these two guys crave some chow, but we'll get into that shortly. Also on today's show, though, listen up for our regular segments from Guillermo, Adam, Chloe, and the guys from Bonehead Weekly. Uh, so it's a super fun show. Pull up a chair, tuck in your napkins and butter your bread rolls because it's going to be 90 minutes of <laughs> appetite-inducing fun. Uh, I've lost my weight already. Here we go. Uh, here's, here's a short soundbite to um, give Jared enough time to prepare for this week's PE class. Every time I come in the kitchen, you're in the kitchen. In the goddamn refrigerator, eating up all the food, all the chicken. All the pig feet, all the collard green, all the hog maws. I want to eat some of them chitlins. I love pig feet. Hey, Jared, before before you kick it off, mate, can you explain to people what PE class actually means? Because, like, we haven't oh, really yeah, addressed yeah. that for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So PE class is essentially physical education, physical education being physical media education as such. So bringing people up to speed on what matters most, and that's physical media 
not your digital media, certainly not your downloaded torrent of legal <laughs> shit that you've got on a hard drive. Show me your film collection. I've got a thousand films on this thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, do you really? Eh? And that one's got hard coded Korean subtitles all over the picture, and that one's got a watermark. <laughs> Fucking piece of shit. Anyway, so uh, well before you, you before you kick off though, we, we haven't yeah. seen the uh, the PE coach for a while, dude. No, well one day I'm gonna take a break. Uh, I don't know when because I just haven't really felt the need to. I mean, I haven't had much else to do, have I? Really, I've been trapped <laughs> for two hundred and sixty odd days at home um, for yeah, the most part days, for a six day lockdown, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Days for a six yeah. day lockdown. It's just it's just a quick one. We're just having a quick one. Um, but one day, one day I will take a holiday and we're going to get, uh, we're going to get the coach back. Um, but at the moment I think he might be, um, he might be on, uh, sabbatical. Uh, cause while, while they're doing an investigation yeah. behind the scenes. It's a legally required sabbatical. Like to spend a lot of time in the locker rooms, if you know what I mean. <laughs> we kind of made, uh, we kind of made Samantha a promise that we would, uh, keep all that content away from the show for a while, but what the fuck? She's, she's not here. We'll just bring it right back. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Hey, look, Hey, Hey, but that, that was, a uh, a men's professional wrestling team. They're of age. And uh, they know what they're getting into, and uh, so nothing to do with other things of unspeakable natures. We'll just okay. keep it all above board. <sighs> so PE class, um, are you right yeah. to go? Yeah, absolutely. Now, the first one I want to talk about is uh, Free Guy, because guess what? Free Guy did not come out on 4K last week. Disney bumped it because uh, international delays with the stock, with the 4K stock. Um, which sucks because I certainly held off watching it and I'm waiting for that 4K to get delivered and everyone's downloaded it illegally or they're watching it on Disney Plus because it's free to watch on Disney Plus. You don't even have to pay a premium for it. If you've got Disney Plus, it's on there to stream. So anyway, that's coming out this week on 4K Ultra HD. So I think I spoke about it enough last week. Also out from Disney this week is another film that debuted on the Disney Plus premium service and theatrical simultaneous, and it's Jungle Cruise. Now, I know you guys love this one with The Rock and uh, Emily Blunt, was it? Yep. Yep. I'm looking forward to checking it out. I haven't seen it myself. I might blind by it because you guys actually really over the top enjoyed it. So mm -hmm. I think I'll just I'll just walk in blind for that one and pick it up. Do Moving it. on to Mad Men, they've got the comeback trail. Now, I don't know if you guys know about this one. It came out earlier this year theatrically through Mad Men. No. No? It's, <laughs> okay. Okay. It's actually a, it's a pretty damn cool film. It's like an all-star cast in this one. You've got like Robert De Niro, Morgan Freeman... Tommy Lee Jones, Zach Braff, and essentially it's about two failed film producers being Zach Braff and Robert De Niro that need to make a hit because they've been borrowing a lot of money from a lot of bad people, and unless they can pay off their debt, uh, they're going to end up dead. And that leads them into making this old school sort of cowboy movie where they pull out um, Tommy Lee Jones from retirement. And he's a famed sort of Western actor from like, you know, the 30s, 40s, Westerns, whatnot. And uh, yeah, anyway, it's a lot of fun. It's one of those, you know, film within a film type of films. And uh, yeah, I recommend checking out. It's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. Then coming out from Umbrella. Umbrella have like a ridiculous amount of releases this week. I'm only going to touch on maybe one. One and I'll tell you the other ones that are coming out. But the one that I'm excited about personally is Super Mario Brothers, the live action film from 1993. Yes, and this is 
This is the definitive edition, guys. We're getting the definitive edition in Australia, in Australia, <laughs> because it's got all the special features that were on the second site release in the UK, plus a work print version of the film that was only discovered a number of months ago. That's added on there as special features, which means you get a lot of unseen, previously unseen footage. On last Wednesday's up late video with Chloe, I was trying to convince her why this is a fantastic, wonderful movie from you know from the past. It's got this cult following. I, I wasn't successful. Well, yeah, I was about to say, I don't know if you use the right words. Yeah, that, <laughs> but, I, I, but I did say, for context, there's great movies and then there's great movies that Glenn thinks are great movies. Oh, this is true. This yeah. is true. And it's not even a sequel. It's not even a sequel. <laughs> um, it's a, it is a Kuro piece. And I think over time it has, it's, it's uh, aged well in the way of being able to come back and look at it because it's a mix of early sort of CGI around the same time as Jurassic Park, but then a lot of prosthetics, animatronics and stuff. It's really incredible. There's a lot of production design. Like it's not, you know, green screen super fest. They really built like It's wonderful. Place. It's wonderful. It is. It, it, it is incredible to watch. It's a lot of fun. And it's Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. And did you see John Leguizamo came out this week against the new Super Mario Brothers uh, animated movie that's coming out because he's basically like, what, you're, you're not going to hire... You know, anyone who's sort of, uh, I don't know, Italian or whatever to play one of the leads. Because it's Chris Pratt and Charlie Day, I think, that are playing Mario and Luigi in it. So it's interesting. And, I mean, it got John Leguizamo back into the headlines again, made him a little <laughs> bit more relevant. Um, but I have softened on that man over the years. I was, th- I was reflecting on this recently, actually, is that, um, you know, I've, I've downright hated a few actors over time. Some of them being John Leguizamo, Melissa McCarthy, Kevin Hart, Martin Lawrence, and I've realised recently like I've got a really soft spot for Kevin Hart. I really enjoy a lot. Of I was there when days. the penny dropped. I was there when the yes. penny dropped. Yeah, and I think it was around the time of maybe night school. Yeah, we went to the night school yeah, screening, night school. and you looked at me Loved and you went, I, "I think I like Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like him now." <laughs> then he did that remake of um, the French film. Uh, with yep. Brian Cranston, I really enjoyed him at. But anyway, I've I've really liked everything he's done since Melissa McCarthy, of course, recently her dramatic turns in you know Nine Perfect Strangers and uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me. I'm really enjoying much of everything she's doing, even comedy. Um, and then John Leguizamo, I have softened over the years, and I've got a lot of time for him. I will never like Martin Lawrence. I don't think I will <laughs> ever like that guy. I don't know if he's ever made a good thing, like apart from Bad Boys One. Um, I don't know. He's, uh, yeah. he's great in. Um... Don't say the Black Knight or or Blue Streak <laughs> or <laughs> National <laughs> Security or any of those movies. I I paid no. good money to see those movies theatrically. No, um, I, gonna, I actually I enjoyed the Black Knight, but no, not that. <laughs> what I was say. I was Big Mama's House Two. Yeah. <laughs> Three. Big Mama's okay. Three. <laughs> no, the um, what's the uh, what's the one he made with um, with uh, Matthew McConaughey that came out at Cannes. Like a couple of years ago, he's got a great cameo. Like he's just like a side character. He's the the ship captain. What's the, oh, it's the, it's um, not fool's gold, is it? No, 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 no. No, Matthew McConaughey plays the. It's um. Well, it wasn't boat trip with Cuba Gooden Jr. Was it? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, that was good. That's that's right. That was good. That's, that's why. That's a good one. <laughs> no, um, oh you know. no, I do remember. It's um yes, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Um, yes, yes, Tyler it's, is in it and yes, then, uh, it's the, um, uh, uh, Spring Breakers, Harmony Corinne yeah. movie, Beach yeah. Bum, the Beach, Beach Bum. Bum. Yeah, he's, yes. he's great in that. 
that's because they covered him up with a lot of stuff and he played completely different, you know, to yeah, his he didn't play much like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could I could almost buy him in that, yeah. He yeah, was he pretty good in a pretty average guy. film, but well, actually, he's not well. completely forgiven yet. He's made too many sins against cinema over the years. I mean, three strikes and you should be out, and they made at least three of the Big Mamas movies. They you have to the you have to admit, though, he kind of did anchor Bad Boys 3. Oh, yeah, well, that's true, because Will Smith got shot in the first ten minutes. <laughs> I forgot about that. And I did like Bad Boys 3. I think Bad Boys 2 is... It's definitely a crime against cinema, but yep. the third film was actually good. I enjoyed the third film. Yeah, it was have you fun. seen um, what's the worst that could happen with Danny? Yes, De- and I wanted to like it because I loved Danny DeVito. Didn't enjoy it. Nothing to lose. Loved Tim Robbins. Didn't enjoy it because Martin Lawrence came in and, and, and just screwed it up. I don't know. I just I don't know if it's something about his just style and delivery that doesn't work for me because they're not necessarily bad movies maybe with the exception obviously big mama's house living up to that um living up to that rewind digression reputation here mate i know yeah so what else is coming out this week glad you asked glenn so we've talked about super mario brothers there's also john cassavetti's gloria is coming out on blu-ray locally with gina rollins and this is this is a great film and it's actually quite hard to get uh, it's been out of print for a few years. Twilight Time put it out in the States. So it's good to have it back out on Blu-ray again. Then there's a couple new titles in the Sunburnt Screens line from Umbrella. They've got The Right Hand Man with Hugo Weaving, Catherine McClements and Rupert Everett. And then Black and White is also coming out on Blu-ray directed by... Um, yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered before. He, he co-wrote The Dream. It's good. It's good. That. Yeah, is that the one with is it is it the black and white with um, not Busy Phillips the other the other Phillips? No, a... this is an Aussie one. It's an Indigenous. Yeah, story. no, no, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely about police custody. Yeah, yeah. No, not that one. No. So yeah, that, that's, that's it for this week. There is a ton of stuff coming out, but that's Bijou just cherry pick the releases Bijou. for you. So, what was that, Ben? Good stuff. Bijou Phillips was the one I was thinking oh, of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, not busy, busy, but a different person. One that you forgot to mention, Jarrett, is uh, Monster vs. Ape. That's coming out on the DVD. And I only mentioned it because I wrote an article for Stack about the Asylum. So, uh, shameless uh, self-promotion there. I was waiting for it. I thought you were going to say, and it turns out I have an interview with the Ape and it's going to be on next week's show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the funny hey, Nick. Yeah. I always thought the uh, the comeback trail was when, you, when you're doing a girl doggy style <laughs> and then you, you pull out. And you blow on her back, and then and then you go back in. That not- I don't know if you can put that on the air. I tried to I tried to leave it there so you could cut it out. I tried to give you a. Uh, I waited. That's terrific. Isn't that the Glenn comment? wants to leave it in? <laughs> oh, literally. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how it works, Glenn. <laughs> Parental discretion oh, advised. Wow. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, thank you, mate. Uh, that's a, a whopper of a week of releases. Um, it's incredible. Uh, I guess now it's time to do what we actually came here to do. Call me Mr. Lamb Fries. Now, that's a man who knows when he's got something good in his mouth. You polish off that plate and you break the record. 28. That one makes 26. Stand back, everybody. The record falls tonight. Look at him go. I believe he's right. I believe that record will fall tonight. 
27. It stood at 28 for nearly two years now. That long? Go for it, Andrew. 28. That's a tie. 29, the new record! <laughs> and he's still going. I thought that record was gonna last forever. Most folks just don't seem to have a taste for testicles no more. Testicles? Yes, ma'am. Sheep balls. I'm not sure that that's a good example of a movie that makes you hungry, but damn, that, that plate of lamb's fry looks pretty good to me. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> All right, let's recommend some movies, guys. You two are up first, but Jarrett, you're our guest. Would you like to take the lead on this one? Hey, why not? May as well. Should I set uh, a timer? Yeah, yeah, probably better. <laughs> I, I did actually flesh out one more than the other, admittedly, so I'm going to start with the real fleshy one first. So, yeah, hit the, hit the stopwatch right now. <laughs> the movie I want to talk about is Hamburger, the motion picture from 1986, uh, this is a film that I saw as a kid growing up, came out on the Palace Films label, and it is uh, exactly as the title may suggest, a movie about hamburgers. And the opening title sequence of this film makes me hungry. It's burgers being prepped on the grill along with every walk of life enjoying a hamburger while the theme track plays, which is hamburgers across America. <laughs> hamburgers across America. It's in their blood. It's their tradition. It's almost like it is a mission. Hamburgers <laughs> across America. Anyway, so that plays. If you're and your hungry, time is up. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not hungry in the first like three minutes of this movie, then you're um you're either a vegan or you have no soul. But this movie is terrific. And Ben, in the first five minutes, there's. Um, countless sets of breasts, so I think if you haven't seen oh. it or if you haven't watched it for a while, you need to revisit it. You know, Ben Ben cannot see the breasts for the burgers. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's, My it's, two greatest loves. It's got the three Bs, burgers, boobs, and uh, something else that starts with B, buffoons. Um, so do you want to know a little bit about the movie? I, I'm guessing you guys must have seen this at some point. Well, life, yes, but I know can, the you, listeners haven't. You can tell us a bit about it, but I just like mm. the fact that um, they put motion picture after the as the subtitle yes. instead of the movie, just as if it's classy, you know. Like I know, I know. It definitely <laughs> classes it up a notch. Yeah, I have to say this movie it really upset me because after watching that, I watched Hot Dog the movie, and that is not about hot dogs. No. I know. Bitterly disappointing, and Bitterly funnily disappointing. enough, the director of this was a co-producer on Hot Dog, the movie. So <laughs> well, this, it's definitely a gourmet burger, mate. Go ahead. Okay, so the film basically follows the character Russell. Now, Russell can't stay in college for the life of him because he's too busy getting busy, so he's constantly being kicked out of colleges for uh, being lewd. Uh, but he has an inheritance, and that inheritance <laughs> is dependent on him actually graduating from college. And after being kicked out of the last college after, you know, fraternising with the girls in the showers and then one of the faculty members, uh, he sees a commercial for Hamburger, oh, Buster Burger University, because Buster Burger is the McDonald's in, in this movie. <laughs> sees a commercial, they offer a 12-week program where you can come in and earn a degree. And it's free. And at the end of it, you can get a job if you, if you get your degree as a manager. 
Uh, the only thing you can't do on campus is have sex with any of the staff or faculty, which is obviously going to be very difficult for Russell because he's a bit of a stud. Now, Russell is played by <laughs> Lee McCloskey, and he was in Dario Gento's Inferno, but he's also in uh, one of my favourite 80s movies, super underrated, just one of the guys, which I think is probably the year prior to this, 1985. Yeah. Now, here, I'm not sure if you know this, Glenn, but guess what? The director of this actually directed The Wraith and directed it the very same year, and these films are like polar opposites because essentially Hamburger the Motion Picture is like Police Academy at Burger University. It's slapstick stilly, it's super fun, and it's a little bit sexy. Um, but yeah, it's directed by the same director who did The Wraith the same year. It's incredible. This guy should well, have gone on. The to Wraith was a little bit sexy. I was going to say, yeah. Oh, well, it was indeed, indeed. Whether or not that was really, um, what's her name? Sherilyn uh, Finn yeah. or not. Uh, Glenn and I tried to work that out because we did a whole. Oh, I was talking about Clint, about Clint Howard. <laughs> Oh, God, yeah, right, of course. Got... <laughs> and that was, it was definitely Clint Howard's boobs in that. Uh... <laughs> yeah. No stunt double there. No. Uh, so anyway, it is, It is like I said, Police Academy at Burger University. It Brilliant. is hilarious. It is going to make you hungry throughout the movie. If the title hasn't made you hungry and the poster doesn't, throw it on in the first five minutes, you'll be, uh, you'll probably be ordering Uber Eats. Is it easy for people to come by? Is it easy for you people what? to find? You know what? Well, it is a bit of a bastard in that it has never been released on any other form of media legitimately since VHS because apparently there's district, uh, I think there's woes with the production company. The production company decided to do theatrical distribution of the film itself. They released a number of labels around the world. But since the production company never actually sold the film and they licensed it, they've gone, they're defunct. And so no one really knows who owns the movie. And at the same time, the materials for the movie are sort of is lost. It, is it on YouTube? It is. It's on yes. YouTube and it is a beautiful rip, a much better rip than my two copies that I have on VHS. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, if you want to see it, it is on YouTube. And awesome. maybe if the views get up there, someone will trace down and track down the riots. And, uh, that would be good. Release. I reckon if you don't know who owns it, just release it. Bloody oath. And wait for, be... someone to, wait for someone yeah. to... And then make them prove that they own it. There's got to be a release print somewhere out there that they can scan, like a 35mm print, because I want to see this film in widescreen. Well, the way Mike Marvin <laughs> intended for this movie to be seen. <laughs> Do you remember when Umbrella released The Earthling and on the back of the jacket, the fine yes. print said, we don't own this film, would the real owners please step forward? Yes, is that that's the Ricky Schroeder one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on a it's on a couple of their releases from around that time because yeah, um, yeah they they for whatever reason. I mean, most of them are just broadcast prints anyway. But yeah, they put it on the back of the slick, and you're like, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe start a, start a business doing that. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. And um, Ben, I can only guess that you're going to recommend 2013's Fish and Chips, the movie. Well. <laughs> Geez, I wish I wish I I wish I had watched that. that uh, <laughs> it's just a cartoon, like a multi generational, you know, from Australian fish and chip owners to Greek fish and chip owners to uh, Chinese fish and chip owners to uh, Indian, the, like charting the history of the mate. You you've just you've just solved the riddle from before. <laughs> ah yes, and and New Zealand. Because one thing that we found when we went to New Zealand for, for a film shoot a few years back was that all the fish and chip shops in New Zealand seem to do Chinese as well. They're they do Chinese, Chinese yeah. and fish and chips, which is weird because... They don't have fish and know, chips in New Zealand. They have fish and chops. Oh, fish chops. and chops. <laughs> they have chops. 
I gotta say, like when I was in year eight, I was I did Chinese. We learned Chinese, and at the end of the year, they took us across the road uh, to the Chinese. There was a Chinese takeaway, <laughs> and we got we got to get Chinese takeaway and have and watch a movie. That was the end of year kind of thing in that Chinese class. In the China, in the Chinese restaurant, you got to watch the movie, or no, no, no. Was, was it, it Sex and Zen too? It was, uh, <laughs> sex. It was three D. It came. <laughs> yeah. came you. It was just the teacher squirting mayonnaise at us from behind the TV. <laughs> uh, but there was a takeaway. But they also had fish and chips. So you're like, I will have like all the spring rolls. And the dim sum and the whatever and a couple of dim sims and some fried like dim sims and fried rice like why isn't fried rice on the menu at fish and chip shops? Totally. I don't, I don't know. Totally. Surely, surely they totally. must be the greatest dim sims in the world. It, they were they were amazing. It was all yeah. amazing. It was the, I think that was the first time I didn't realize that they were just South Yarra those uh, South Melbourne Market dim sims. Yeah, I was yeah. Like, these things are fucking great. <laughs> uh, they are be- really beautiful. Good. Ugly yeah. though, they look Ugly. like those little pods from Alien or something. Like something's <laughs> going to come out of there. Yeah, the crit- delicious. <laughs> <laughs> it's as if they're the sheep balls from Funny Farm that have been on one of the vaccines. They've just expanded, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. swollen like the dog from Van Wilder, party liaison. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, Ben, go for it. All right, uh, look, I'm going to talk about 2014's Chef, primarily because. I was like, this movie is, the movie's pretty good. It does star one of my favorite, my favorite John John Favreau's, Fat John Favreau. I like Fat John Favreau much more than I like Skinny John Favreau. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And he's he's aggressively fat (laughs) in in Chef. But uh, I did go, the whole movie is about him riding around, uh, driving from like Miami to uh, Los Angeles in a food truck making these Cubano sandwiches, which the way they make it, they just look fucking amazing. Like he, you cook them in the hot press and then it's three different kinds of three different kinds of meat and three different kinds of cheese. And then it's basted in butter on the top of it. And you're like, you have a heart attack watching watching it. it. Yeah. (laughs) And when I went to, when I went to the U S I tried to find a Cubano and all of them had like vegetables and stuff in them. Like, this is not the John Favreau, you know, it's like it was like finding out that lesbians the, don't look like they do in Hustler magazine. Like Larry Flint lied to us. <laughs> the like, Cubano is my favorite sandwich in the world. Like it is, it just looked absolutely amazing, and I would love to have one uh, mm. right now. Uh, <laughs> this movie does does have a have a great cast, including uh, a personal favorite of mine, and, and obviously Jarrett's mortal enemy, though he is oddly a fan of Summer of Sam, is John Luisiamo. <laughs> yes. The pest himself. I want <laughs> to! <laughs> um, but, but, the, but the real pest in that movie was Jeffrey Jones. <laughs> it's true. He's true. It's, it's true. As, 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 but, you know, he's, he's done his time. Uh, <laughs> sure. I'm like, Carry on. I've realized this is audio. People can't see my face, the face I made when I said he's done his time. It just sounds like I'm legitimately supportive of his rehabilitation. <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, John Favreau, uh, Sophia Vergara, Scott. Yeah, like, I love that. 
I love that fat, aggressively fat John Favreau has cast Sofia Vergara and uh, Scarlett Johansson <laughs> as his two love interests in the film. <laughs> Fucking outrageous. Uh, Dustin Hoffman uh, uh, pops up. Bobby Cannavale. Amy Sedaris has a great cameo. Uh, my favorite is Oliver Platt. Oliver Platt uh, in the film basically plays this fruit critic that in the, at the start of the film destroys... John Favreau's career kind of not really Dustin Hoffman does it but basically Oliver Platt does and then at the end he kind of he comes around and has one of these Cubanos and like wants to then you know says he wants to back John Favreau in his own restaurant and uh, even Oliver Platt the great Oliver Platt the man whose acting talents I think are some of the best going cannot deliver those lines with any <laughs> kind of sincerity it's like this he just struggles struggles to uh to be enthusiastic about john favreau's cooking uh, <laughs> it, is, it is it is actually it is an excellent film the funny thing is john favreau he kind of he wrote the script in two weeks and you can kind of tell but he uh he did say that uh, you know he based a lot of the kind of the father stuff because uh, in the movie he kind of does it with his kid he travels it's him john leguizamo and and john favreau's like 10 year old son travel across in this food van and he did base the um the the kid stuff on his own relationship with his son you know dealing with a parent with a busy kind of career and you watch the film and i didn't notice it the first time i watched it but re-watching it this week i was like he's a really shit dad like yeah. like the kid all the kid wants to do is just be with him and he couldn't give less of a shit makes the kids scrub the fucking truck out yeah of, of full of the rotten disgusting <laughs> uh, moldy black mold covered food and then gives him shit for like, you want to work in a kitchen? This is what work in a kitchen. Like he's fucking 10 years old spending. Time. Yeah. I just had flashbacks to my dad making me work in the garden. Like, you know, you always make that mistake as a kid where you go, uh, you tell your parents that you're bored. And then uh, either your mother or your father goes, oh, you're bored, are you? I'll give you something constructive to do. And that constructive thing is never fucking good. So you learn to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, you disappear. Yes. I'm just going to stay in my room. <laughs> <laughs> and then totally. you discover masturbation and it's a whole different thing. <laughs> then your parents never want to see you. <laughs> and then your parents constantly question why your room smells of Glen 20. And you're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I've been smoking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, John Favreau adapted Chef into a TV series we've spoken about before, and um, it's a cooking show, and they take sort of all the dishes they make in the movie and show you how to do it, and they have the chef that was behind the scenes making them. Yeah, look, I got it. There is that kind of clip in during the end credits where the chef like makes this the 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 toasted cheese sandwich that he makes at the start of the film on the yep. looking at that, and you're like, look, one, this guy seems like a fuckwit, and two, <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> to make a fucking to like i just bang it in the toaster then i put some <laughs> butter on it i put the cheese on it and then i stick it in the microwave for a minute and that makes a fucking lovely toasted cheese sandwich like he's like he's rubbing it on the thing and then like layering butter on and rubbing it again. oh like, mate i i take a lot of pride in making a cheese toast the, the the word microwave just does not do anything for me there <laughs> you use the grill you stick it under the grill no, dude, fry pan, butter, you got salt on the on the top, you got like a little bit of garlic if you want it, three types of cheeses. I do it similar to what they do in the in the movie. Yeah, right. Once this lockdown's over, mate, uh, I'm coming around and you're gonna make me one of those sandwiches. Fucking no. Do you well, like pesto? And, and by no, 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 I do. Just the 
I was going to say, because if you mix the pesto oil with the butter. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. No, I'm not a big fan of the, the, the pesto, but I like I will, the... I will do it. I'll do a, a cheese toasty buffet for you, mate. Fucking oath. Let's go. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to break the... I'm willing to break my 10K uh, <laughs> house limit thing. Like, we can be sex friends. I'll be, I'll be your sex friend in order to get one of these. <laughs> I like that you say you will be as if it hasn't been what, you know, the case has been for the last, you know, how many lockdowns. <laughs> well, um, awesome. Uh, Chef, I was hoping somebody would choose that one. Uh, good stuff. Uh, let's throw it over to Guillermo and um, we'll be back for a few more recommendations in a few. How's it going, everybody? It's Guillermo here again from ScreenRealm.com, Australia's favorite entertainment website covering all things movies and television, kicking off with Gladiator 2. That's right, it looks like a Gladiator sequel is actually finally on the way. Whispers have been circling about this for years now, but Ridley Scott, at age 83, is showing no signs of slowing down. He's got two films set for this year alone. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and Jodie Comer pick The Last Duel and the Lady Gaga and Adam Driver drama House of Gucci. Next up, Skull will be filming a Napoleon epic kit bag with Joaquin Phoenix playing the French military and political leader. And after that, Gladiator 2. Talking to Empire, Scott confirmed that he had lined up a sequel to the Russell Crowe picture saying, I'm already having the next Gladiator written now, so when I've done Napoleon, Gladiator will be ready to go. With a screenplay by Peter Craig, The Town, The Hunger Games, Mockingjay, Parts 1 and 2, The Batman, the still untitled sequel will be picking up around 25 years after the events of Gladiator, which is what producers Walter F. Parks and Laurie McDonald confirmed back in 2019. The sequel's plot, as has been reported over the years, will follow a grown up Lucius, the young nephew to Joaquin Phoenix's villainous Commodus in the first film. Spencer Treat Clark played the character as a young boy in the original. We'll see if this is the plot that eventuates, but so far that's what we have to go on. Apple Studios has come out on top in a giant bidding war for a George Clooney and Brad Pitt film. The project is coming from filmmaker John Watts, who has been at the helm of all three Tom Holland-led Spider-Man films, including the upcoming No Way Home. Watts will be directing, writing, and producing the picture, which will be following two lone wolf fixers who are assigned to the same job. A fixer is a person who arranges things for other people, sometimes dishonestly. Universal, Netflix, Sony, Apple, Lionsgate, Amazon, MGM, Warner Brothers, and more were part of this bidding war, which Apple Studios has now won. Word is that this is a deal that could find Clooney and Pitt earning around 20 million bucks each. And Scarlett Johansson and Disney have managed to reach a settlement over this huge lawsuit that was going on. In case you didn't know, Scarlett Johansson was suing Disney for releasing Black Widow in both cinemas and Disney Plus with Scarlett claiming that it cost her a lot of the back-end profit that she would have gotten. The suit alleged it cost her tens of millions of dollars in box office bonuses and she was seeking a $50 million payout from Disney. Disney surprisingly came out swinging publicly, accusing Johansson of disregarding the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic and even saying that she had been paid $20 million and Scarlett was saying that this change to Black Widow's release plan was mostly just to bring in numbers for the streaming service it was getting pretty messy, but it looks to have been settled now. The terms of the settlement were not disclosed. Johansson was seeking that $50 million payout, so who knows if she actually got that completely or maybe a huge chunk of it. In a statement, Johansson said, I'm happy to have resolved our differences with Disney. I'm incredibly proud of the work we've done together over the years and have greatly enjoyed my creative relationship with the team. I look forward to continuing our collaboration in years to come. Disney Studios chairman Alan Bergman also released a statement saying, I'm very pleased that we have been able to come to a mutual agreement with Scarlett Johansson regarding Black Widow. We appreciate her contributions to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and look forward to working together on a number of upcoming projects, including Disney's Tower of Terror. So it looks like this feud is over. After all, it will certainly financially benefit both parties. 
if all is going well. And the next film from filmmaker Guy Ritchie has a new title and a release date. The film was once called Five Eyes and it's now called Operation Fortune. It's going to be starring Jason Statham, Aubrey Plaza, Josh Hartnett, Harry Olwes, Bugsy Malone and Hugh Grant. The film currently has a US release date of January 21st, 2022. Ritchie directed the film and he co-wrote the screenplay with Ivan Atkinson and Marn Davis, who are also behind the scripts of Ritchie's Wrath of Men and The Gentleman. Now this is going to be an action thriller following super spy Orson fortune jason statham we must track down and stop the sale of a deadly new weapons technology wielded by billionaire arms broker greg simmons hugh grant reluctantly he teams up with some of the world's best operatives aubrey plaza kerry always bugsy malone and they recruit hollywood's biggest movie star josh hartnett to help them on their globe-trotting undercover mission to save the world that about does it for me guys be sure to go to screenrealm.com for all your latest movie tv news trailers reviews all that jazz i'm out of here
I am always looking for an excuse to squeeze Ween into one of these shows, but um, never had never had a reason to until now. And um, was that from the Brown album? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, it was from the Pod. It's a song called Pork Roll Egg and Cheese, mate. Awesome, awesome oh. stuff. Uh, do you remember them in It's Pat? I do. The movie that would definitely not be uh, the, the SNL movie, the one where you yeah. didn't know whether or not it was uh, the androgynous character. Yes, I do. Yeah, it was a lot of laughs. I haven't seen it for many years. Do you know who Ghost wrote the screenplay for that with um, Julia Sweeney? John Sayles. <laughs> <laughs> Quentin Tarantino. Oh, really? wow. I think I have heard that before. I've completely and forgotten that. That's yeah, why that's she right. is in Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction. as, as um, the junkyard right. guy's daughter. The girl... Uh, Monster Joe's one. daughter. Yeah. 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 The girl who has character, but he's not a character. Or What is it? <laughs> well, she, she, yeah. was in, she was in Pulp character. Fiction in a bigger capacity, and they, they cut her roll down. I'm sure with they, when they yeah. cut the Miller out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, when they cut... But they cut Dick out completely. Yeah, completely. Didn't tell him until the premiere. Oh, sorry, mate. Not yeah, in. Heartbreaking. Biggest movie of the year. Sorry about that. You're going to be on the extras on the DVD. Oh, wait. No. No, you're not. No. No. Julie Sweeney. No. Yeah, she's still in there. I'm just going to. I'm just going to promise people that uh, I'm going to release the four-hour cut of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just going to write a book instead. No. Well, anyway. <laughs> Pork Roll Egg and Cheese by Ween. Go on a Ween Odyssey. I recommend it. I highly recommend it. Um, and before that, thank you to Guillermo for his weekly update and all that's happening at Screen Realm. Of course, go to ScreenRealm.com to find out what else is going on up there. Ben, uh, it's you and I taking charge of this block, mate. I'm going to go first with a movie that's not actually about food at all, but every single fucking time I watch it, I, I kind of crave bacon in like the biggest of ways. I'm talking about John Landis's brilliant Western comedy, Three Amigos, 1986. Starring Steve Martin, Martin Short, and uh, Chevy Chase. I mean, how good is Three Amigos, just in general? Like, it's it's a perfectly mm. measured comedy in my mind. And to think it was savaged by the critics at the time. Brilliant. Yes, absolutely. It flows, like, almost melodically, I reckon. Like, every joke hits the mark. It never lags. And the production design is just phenomenal, particularly if you know of those sort of Mexican-style westerns from back in the day. In fact, I was watching... What's that um, Humphrey Bogart film, The um, Treasure of... Um, Sierra Madre. Sierra Madre. And I watched that recently, and all I could think of was the Three Amigos. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of what it's going for, right? But um, it was actually written by Steve Martin and Lorne Michaels and Randy Newman. And like, how unlikely is that for a partnership? Like Randy Newman writing a script pretty much yeah. so he could get three songs in there too, which is an amazing song. I'm just imagining that they they they're writing it about themselves. They were the original three amigos. Oh, there there was there was in the outfit. There were so many um actors up for the roles in those movies before they landed on that cast. And off the top of my head, I can't think of them. I think like John Belushi was one of them. Uh, who else? Um, John Candy may have been a contender. Uh, you're welcome to dive into IMDb there and 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 find out oh, while I talk. Maybe. But um, that would be fucking great. Yes, but <laughs> for people that aren't aware, um, the movie is about, set in 1916, tells the story of three Hollywood actors who are famous for their Three Amigos series of silent films. And they respond to what they believe is a, a telegram from a fan, asking them to come and reenact some scenes from movies for a generous fee. But they aren't aware that, you know, that the letter was written by a desperate woman um, who mistook their craft as being real and she saw their show reels and and wanted them to come along and take on a ruthless gang led by the fearsome El Huapo, um, which is no... Wapo. Was it? El Huapo. 
one of the funniest <laughs> fucking villains in movie history. <laughs> the legendary director, um, Alfonso Carew, as well. You know, like Water for Chocolate and things like that. Mm. Um, but, you know, who was it? I think it was Norm MacDonald said that, you know, Three Amigos has already been remade like twice because you had Tropic Thunder and then there's some other movie that he's talking about that, you know, it's a it's a patented uh, kind of concept yeah, that's it's true. been rehashed. True. Yeah. Isn't Three Amigos just basically The Magnificent Seven, just with, it's only three, but it's... <laughs> The same, you know, three, the, the heroes ride into a town and save it from a horde of bad guys. Pretty much, but I mean, the, the concept of the mistaken identity is the the component there. But um, let's, look, the scene that makes me hungry to tie it in with today's show is the scene where they're sitting around the campfire eating that crispy barbecued bat, right? And yeah. and, and clearly, it's bacon, crispy yeah. bacon. And every time they they you know remember one of them looks over to the other and says, you know, would, would you like some bat? And then he bites yeah. into it. And as a kid, I'm like, I fucking want some bacon right now. <laughs> <laughs> and every yeah. time I watch that scene, I want bacon in the baddest of ways. And furthermore, every time I eat crispy bacon, no matter where I am, I think of the three amigos. You make the mistake of when you're ordering, like, uh, yes, I'll have some bat on that, please. <laughs> yeah. I love the bat and eggs, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you, watched, when you watch Ace Ventura 2, when nature calls, it's all about yeah. guano and you're yes. like, mm. Guano. <laughs> and then, yeah. Guano. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. But no movie makes me, like, crave a particular food more than Three Amigos. So that, that's my choice for the first one. Um, but let's just appreciate, like, what an era this was for John Landis. Like, because in that span of 10 years, I mean, obviously, you know, it was tarnished by the tragedy of Twilight Zone. But in that span of one decade, he made Animal House, Blues Brothers, American Wealth in London, Trading Places, In the Night, or Into the Night, Spies Like Us, Clue, and mm. Amazon Women on the Moon, as well as Coming to yeah. America. Like, that's yeah, fucking phenomenal. Yeah. A dream run. It's like it's like Carpenter and Landis just had this golden streak throughout that period of the late 70s into the late 80s, just everything, you know? And not everything may have resonated at the box office, but everything has proven to be timeless. Like, they yeah. are the staples of genres. They are incredible films. But, yeah, what a, what a run for Landis. Like, and then how... How unkind the 90s were to him. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of The Stupids? A Stupids is like an unusually good blimp, but yeah. it's a film that never really got its due. It didn't have like a big theatrical release. It really was kind of a quiet video sort of word of mouth movie. But all the big tentpole theatrical ones of his were, yeah, it was... Um, I think I think it's yeah. because it starred Tom Arnold. If it would have been Dan Aykroyd or someone... Yes, that, yes, totally. On, um it would have got a theatrical, but Tom Tom Arnold at the time was uh, mm. on grata. Who would you yeah. cast in that instead of Tom Arnold? Like that's a great question because mm. it is. Like I agree, Jared. Like it is a fun yeah. movie. You got David Cronenberg in there for God's sake. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, incredible. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. Who who would you cast? Would in talking of who was around in that era? I mean, like yeah. Dan Aykroyd's probably not too far off point to be honest. What about, what about you know? yeah, Rick Moranis? I don't know. Moranis is too. Too, too wimpy. I, mean, I was going to say, too like, small, you're statured, like, you know, you sort of need someone that's a bit bigger and um, bullier. That's why I think Ackroyd around that point was sort of starting to like shape out a, a bit. Kind of, yeah, my girl kind of Ackroyd. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. Or yeah. Caddy Pack yeah. 2. Starting to shape out and bald, bald up. <laughs> yeah. Keep your eye yeah. on the fruit. Or like a John Goodman. John Goodman could have been good, but he's, he's a bit too aggressive. 
like, like when, <laughs> yes. he, when he's playing in that kind of part, he's a bit too yeah. uh, sinister. That's, well, that, that would just be like, that would be Roseanne's husband replacing Roseanne's husband. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> that would have been the story. Well, there is a question for the people listening. Uh, engage with us on social media and tell us who would have been a better lead in the stupids than Tom Arnold. I'd love to hear people's thoughts on that. But Ben, uh, that, that's my recommendation. You're up next, mate. Well, look, I have to say that I, um, when you pitched the this episode or when we came up with this episode, I thought it was just movies about food. Uh <laughs> not movies that actually made you hungry. So my, my second choice was going to be uh, the slam and salmon uh, by the broken lizard guys. Great movie, which is a fantastic film. Mm. Almost no food really in it, despite <laughs> the fact that it's all set in a restaurant. Like the food is definitely not the focus of that film, but it is, it is excellent and definitely worth checking out. But so I was trying to think of, you know, another f- film that I had seen that uh, always kind of made me, hungry and this it didn't make me hungry more so as it made me curious uh and that film is 1973's soylent green <laughs> I, don't really, I don't know if you can i don't know if i can uh, explain the movie without uh what makes well, you hungry without spoiling the movie if you haven't seen it is this not like the greatest spoiler ridden movie in history like you yeah. like it's that movie that you know when you bring up the title people just give away the the ending in yeah, because it is the, it's the iconic line at the end of the film. Yeah, uh, that ruins the whole thing. That if you don't know, and there is there's very very little kind of hints given during the film that that's what the film is about. Like, is, is, just, sorry, I, I don't recall. Is the final line in the movie chicken? Yeah, <laughs> Sutherland Green is chicken. That's exactly. I think enough Silence. time has passed that you can spoil this one, mate. That's exactly what. I don't, I really Definitely don't tastes like chicken. chicken. Yeah, I really don't want to because if there are a few people out there who haven't seen it, mm. definitely, or at least, or pause the show, go watch it yeah. and come back because it is like I was stuck. Like I watched it. I did watch it again this week, and I haven't seen it for years, and it it is just such a incredibly watchable excellent film mm-hmm. uh, it is um it's like set in a kind of a, a future where uh, resources have run dry and the only the only thing that's really still multiplying are people there aren't any animals or seemingly no animals there's no um the grass and stuff isn't growing there's no plant life it's all people are subsiding on these little chips and there's three, there's three color, and the, the the earth is everything is kind of the whole movie has this kind of yellow, kind of glow to it because it's ninety degrees, even though it's US ninety degrees, but it's ninety degrees Fahrenheit all the time. So there's no seasons anymore. Everyone's just sweating, and unemployment is is rife, and hu- hunger is rife. But there's these three chips that you can eat. There's soylent, I think it's soylent yellow, soylent blue, or maybe soylent red, and then soylent green. And Soylent Green is the is the is the tastiest one of the three Soylents. The Soylent Yellow is soy, and they make things like soy uh, soy um, buns and all this sort of stuff that nobody has any interest in. Like there's even at one point they run out of Soylent Green during this um, during a Tuesday. Tuesday is Soylent Green Day, and they they run out of Soylent Green, and there's this riot. And during the riot, they knock over tables and tables of Soylent Yellow, and you're like, well, if you're starving. The soylent yellow is everywhere, but nobody wants nobody wants the soylent yellow. Um, but it's great. Uh, Charlton, it stars Charlton Heston. He plays a cop 
but the police force is a bit they're all super they're kind of corrupt uh and they um and they have their own um edward g robinson plays he's kind of is his kind of live-in housemate but he's his book who does all these kind of um, paperwork investigations for him and then charlton heston is the muscle who goes out and uh kind of solves the crime catches the criminal and this a big time executive from the from the uh the soylent you find out through the through the course of the film from the the company that makes all the soylent uh foods uh, is killed is a, is kind of and they they all want it all hushed up and just mark it as a robbery gone wrong but uh, charlton heston is like uh, there's something that doesn't make any sense here and um who was it? Chuck Connors plays his uh, is the executive's bodyguard who happened to be out at the time. Uh, Lee Taylor Young is a really kind of interesting kind of, like the because this is such a dystopian kind of future. The women, all of the pretty women, become what they they call them furniture because they basically in this apartment building they come with the if you can afford to live there. There's a pretty girl comes with the with the the apartment. And you don't you don't have to have you don't have to keep her if you don't want her like they do kind of get replaced but it's one of these kind of weird perks and Lee Taylor Young is the is the um, the furniture of this apartment and she kind of ends up having a thing with Charlton Heston. Uh, Joseph Cotton is the executive. Brock Peters, who I who I I'm really coming to enjoy. He's cameos in a lot of kind of movies. He, like he's like in stuff like McMaster's and stuff. He's the lead in Star Trek. I think Star Trek Two or three he pops up in um but uh in this one he's like the police lieutenant and he's perfectly cast as the kind of gruff you know beverly hills cop-esque like i reckon that's where the guy from beverly hills cop kind of got it got it from was from brock peters and Sullivan green like he he established that part uh as the as the police lieutenant um it is a great film it's based on a book uh called um make room make room by harry harrison which i'm dying to read just to see what all of the shit that they cut out uh, to make the movie. Cause you kind of like the movie seems fairly complete. And I know once you read the book, you're like, Oh geez, there's massive plot holes. But um, yeah, it was directed by Richard Fleischer. Funnily enough, the guy who directed Mandingo and Conan the Destroyer and the oddly enjoyable yet incredibly bad red Sonya. Uh, oh, and Amityville 3d, just if you're, if you're a horror fan and you, and you like, Old school 3D movies. Richard How Fleischer. good is the title? Like Soylent Green. Like what a great word. Like Soylent. Mm. Like it's yeah. just. Yeah, it is. Is that a word in the dictionary or is it a word they just made up for the film? Well, it's just. It, yeah, I don't know. Great. I think they made it up. But like I always, when, even when, you know, there are movies like Green Inferno and stuff in my head, I'm just thinking, is that like uh, Soylent Green? <laughs> even though just yeah. green, the green thing is really all they have in, in common. But uh, is that why you don't eat lettuce? <laughs> I, I, well, it's fucking, it's just overpriced water, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the lettuce thing's becoming a, an unfortunate motive on the show. <laughs> <laughs> show me someone who likes lettuce. Like, who, who sits there and goes, mmm. I do. You know what I feel like? A big head of lettuce like by itself. I, th- I think Sam was right when she said it the other week on the show that it, it's a component. So when you have a burger, it's the crispy lettuce in that burger that adds to the overall structure and, you know, taste. Because on, on the same token, yeah. Ben, I don't eat a whole block of cheese either, so. I, I do. <laughs> I don't eat a whole block of cheese. <laughs> you never cut cheese into cubes and just had cheese cubes? I remember having to kick a guy <laughs> Not out a whole of block. The- 
I remember kicking a guy out of our cinema foyer back in back in Brisbane at Hoyts. It was a man that was in the foyer with a with a block of coon, and it was and it was you know wrapping was pared back, and he was just eating away. It was probably like a kilo, I guess. It was bigger than the five hundred gram one. And we had to get, we had to ask him to leave because he didn't have him a ticket to see a movie. He wasn't even looking at the posters. He was just, he was just putting on a show. And we were worrying people weren't going to go and see a movie because they could see the ship for free in the foyer. So he said, "Excuse me, sir, you're going to have to leave. Take your cheese with you." Well, if 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 you caught him doing that these days, he'd be he'd be woofing down a block of uh, cheer. Yes, it's true. Very different. Very different. Yeah. Yes, yes. Imagine that on the walkie-talkies these days. If, if they hadn't done it, it was like. Excuse me, can we get someone down from projection? We've got a gentleman in the foyer eating a coon, and we'd like him to leave. There's a cannibal in the in green the in, green inferno toilet. I reckon in the foyer of the cinema. I do reckon though that it's a, it was a well known it's a well known fact that the that the toilets in <clears throat> in, in shopping centres were, were always the best toilets to use. They always seemed to be the cleanest. They must, I think they had their own staff cleaning them. So maybe he was just a bit lactose intolerant and he just was like sitting in this, like he was eating his block of cheese. Like, I love cheese. I just got to eat the cheese. But I know that in five minutes after eating this, I'm going to take a horrendous shit. And uh, yes. I don't, you know, or, I don't worry or it is. <laughs> maybe he was about to die and that was his last that, meal. He's like, I'm not going to be around to see the mess, the aftermath. That is his food was my curry. That's his there is that bit in Solent Green where Edward G. That sounded racist, didn't it? That sounded awful. Edward G. Robinson goes to uh, the assisted suicide booth and they let him watch a big screen movie of grassy fields and animals and stuff. Maybe that's what this guy was doing. He was just like, I want to watch that before I die and eat my cheese and then you know expire in you know cinema seven. Maybe, maybe the maybe the boneheads can save this show. I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> Give them a shot. <laughs> Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. We're going to talk about food, delicious food, and movies that make you want to eat delicious food. And as a fat man, I approve. Who wants to go first? Joe, you go first. Why do I have to go first? Because oh, you went you went first when you initially did this, and it and it ruined it. It got right. screwed up. Well, yeah, but it wasn't completely my fault. It was the internet, Wi-Fi gods. Okay, <laughs> I used one beforehand. I'm going to use a little bit different. You know the movie that makes me hungry? You guys ever see that Once Upon a Time in Mexico? Oh, yeah. Yep. Johnny Depp walks in and says, this particular pulled pork dish is delicious. I'm going to go in and shoot the cook. It does look delicious. And if you buy the DVD, we've talked about this, Chad, you talked about this, or one of us did on, on our, our special features on DVDs. Robert Rodriguez used to do film schools if you bought his DVD, but he also did cooking schools on some of them of how yeah. to make this particular pulled pork dish and banana leaves. That makes me hungry. I wish I had some tonight. May I have some uh, food, please? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go and talk about the one that comes out of left field because it's it's gross and nobody would say why does that make you hungry and that is the pie eating contest from stand by me it uh, <laughs> i don't when know I was why a, that makes you hungry either well when i was a kid i would look at those those pies and i'm like those are really some nice looking pies <laughs> Jack, I Jack, I, I, yeah no so uh, no it's i always watch that movie and i always want a pie after watching that scene even though the end result of that story would make anybody else go 
I never want to eat a blueberry pie ever again. I want a slice with some ice cream and serve it up, man. I want it. And he also wants puke. I could eat a peach for hours. James. I'm going to talk about a film that, you know, I don't think many people can watch this film without getting a little bit hungry. Directed by James Rodé Rodriguez, uh, starring um, Gabourey Sidibe, known <laughs> for Precious. Uh, I think the thank you. I, I looked that up. To make sure I got it somewhere <laughs> near close, but it's it's really it's a film that's set in a diner, and and you watch this film and it just makes you hungry. The oh film is called Gravy, and as you just sit and watch this film, if you've not seen it, you'll understand what I mean. Just watch this film. And as they get ready to eat, and the chef even talks about, you know, if it's going to be prepared, I want to prepare it well. I'm being sarcastic. It's a film about cannibalism. But if you've never seen Gravy, I actually have a good time watching it. Uh, it's it's a terribly fun movie. Terribly fun? It is terribly fun. No, it, I, have, I have a lot of fun with it. And there is that scene. There is a, it's at a diner. These people break in, force them to play games, and start eating them. And there is an entire scene where the the chef they force the chef to cook other people, yeah. and he actually does it. With, he says if they're if they're going to be prepared, they're going to be prepared well. I'm not letting my friends die and not be prepared correctly. And I, that's a great line. And so, if you've never seen Gravy, it won't probably actually make you hungry, but it's a lot of fun. And you know what does make you hungry? shrimp on the barbie speaking, no speaking of precious the whole pig's feet scene mm, i could eat those for hours this has been bonehead weekly fun size of all the people james is on the money there with gravy have you guys seen gravy i think it was released through shock factory on blu-ray it is something else it's um as he said it's, it's no I sarah can't. silverman and lily cole and um michael weston jimmy simpson it's fantastic it's a bit like murder party but funnier <laughs> and it's a cannibalistic kind of thing but um yeah i'm i'm chuffed that he watched that so you guys should get on it it's really good and everyone else listening should get on it but um yeah. thank you thank you to the boneheads it's always fun um jared you and i are gonna uh drive this segment excellent i'm gonna take the lead um and ben you mentioned oliver platt before with um Chef, well, he produced this one. It's um, Big Night from 1996. Which, uh, oh, what a fantastic film. Yeah, it's another movie that I saw when I first arrived in Canada. I sort of went to a little cinema and, and watched it. And this is the movie that put Stanley Tucci on the map, as far as I'm concerned. It's the first time I sort of knew who he was. And Tony Shalhoub. There's the two of them. Absolutely. Um, 96, and this was uh, during what I would say is the biggest boom that independent cinema's ever had, wouldn't you say? You had Tarantino on the rise and the Coen brothers were doing good things and Richard Linkletter, Kevin Smith, John Favreau. Like it was this time where these independent films were dominating the big screen. Yeah, Harvey, Harvey Weinstein was having a lot of showers during this period. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how Stanley yep. Tucci and Campbell Scott, you know, got the gig. Got the gig. Yeah, <laughs> it was a big golden shower. Anyway, um, <laughs> this movie kind of just came out of nowhere. It's a little comedy about food, and it just told the story of two brothers. One's a chef, and one's an accountant, but he kind of runs the front of house and also does a bit of cooking. And um, they've pulled out all the stops to impress a famous singer who's supposed to be visiting their struggling restaurant. And it essentially is one last ditch effort to save their their struggling business but when the singer you know doesn't really show up and they keep waiting the night turns into a big sort of 
night of drunken binge eating and sort of food comas and it's just the sort of almost a comedy of errors it's very funny but it's also sweet and um wonderful stuff there's loads of food preparation in this one and and it's glorious food preparation and they do that one dish which i'm sure ben remembers called timbalo which is (laughs) like the most complex pasta dish you can make but it's this gigantic freaking how do you explain it's an encased dish that has like meatballs it has mushroom eggplant cheeses hard-boiled eggs shrimp sauce and then they sort of bake it in a giant sort of um i don't know what you'd freaking call it it's just a massive receptacle there is there is i remember like a couple of years ago seeing this thing on um, the abc about this restaurant in south bank that actually made it it was on the menu there and i was always it's like the world's biggest hot pocket yeah it is and well because the thing about the movie too is that it's set in the it's set in the sixties, I believe, because Perry Como is the is the um, guy. So maybe maybe even the fifties is the the music star that they want to invite over. And this is at a time where the rest of America are convinced that Italian food means spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah, and pretty much that's it. That's and so they and this is a real Italian restaurant where they're selling like they're making this like traditional Italian dishes, this wide variety of own pizza, spaghetti and meatballs and pizza. That's all they think. (laughs) And they're making these kind of gourmet dishes and people come in and there's scenes in the movie where people come in and they're like, where's the spaghetti and meatballs? Like on the menu, like it's... Well, that's just it. You've got Stanley Tucci, who's the business-minded person, the brother that that wants to sort of make those sacrifices in order to bring people through the door. And then his brother, Tony Shalhoub, is the the cook, the chef, who mm. doesn't want to make those sacrifices. And so yeah. they, they have this little bit of um, you know, back and forth with each other all throughout the movie, which sort of culminates in a fantastic... Um, Fantastic finale. Like, that's what I love about the film. I'm not going to give it away, but I, I just love the way this film ends. And apparently, that's one of the things that, that the studio wanted um, wanted changed. They wanted a, a different ending, and they just were not going to wow. budge on how it ended. And so, they got their way in the end. And by they, I mean um, Campbell Scott, who co-directed with Stanley Tucci. And the cast is amazing. Mini Driver is pretty good in there. Ian Holm is incredible. I think this is one of his best films, next to maybe The Sweet Hereafter. I don't think he's ever been better. Isabella Rossellini, Mark Anthony, and Alison Jenny. Like, she's fantastic. And this is before she sort of blew up as well. So, big night. Um, I actually think it's like, if you describe it to people, it's kind of like a cross between the movie Smoke and Love's Brother. Do you remember those movies? Love, I remember Smoke. I don't oh, remember yeah, 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 absolutely. Love's Brother's the Aussie one with um, Giovanni Ribisi and um, who's the Aussie guy from Bootmen? Adam, whatever his name is. No, can't yes. remember. It's I know it like it's he's from Coyote Ugly. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. yeah and it's, they it's play not, it's two like Adam West, but it's uh, but he's not you it's probably not like Adam. it. They play two Italian brothers, um, and it's a mistaken identity thing, but Oh no, I do remember this. Yes, movie. I was yeah. Say. yeah, he's in that as well. Yeah, and one of them doesn't speak English and yeah, it's yeah. the good looking brother and the the bootman guy is the good looking brother who gets the girl that uh, yeah. Giovanni Rabisi loves or whatever. Yeah, and... yeah, and they 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 import the Australia's first coffee machine. But yeah. I kind of describe, you know, Big Night as like a cross between that and smoke. It's got that kind of feel to it, but um People listening may know not know what the fuck I'm talking about. So Big Night, that's um that's my second recommendation, and that's enough for me. Um, Has Big Night come out through imprint? Did they release that on Blu-ray? Yes, like, yes they did. No, Umbrella. Umbrella, Umbrella did. Umbrella. Someone Umbrella someone Umbrella released did. it recently. I'll have to. Uh, I'll the last to... time I was with you guys in studio, we uh, we were talking about it. Funnily enough. 
And I knew I had it in the back of my head that it had come out uh, on Blu-ray locally. It's on Blu-ray through Umbrella. It's great. Oh. I've got it in the collection over there. Yeah. I'm going to have to order it. I'm going to have to order it. Mm. All right. Jared, you're up next. All right. So I took you really literally. So we had Ben who said, you know, films about food. I was like, films that have sequences with food in them that make me very hungry, but not necessarily have any other sequences with food. And this movie, as far as I can recall, only has one scene with food in it. It's ever so brief, but ever since I was a child, right up until the, the age of the internet, I wondered what it was they were eating uh, because it was described as a Diablo sandwich and we never had that here in Australia. <laughs> and when the when the age of the internet came about and I'd watched this film, I Googled it and it turned out it's just a fancy, basically a fancy word for um, sloppy Joe. Uh, but the movie's Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, the Hell Needham classic from 1977. Yes, and there yeah. is a sequence in it where uh, you do have the Diablo sandwich featured and it's eaten in such a disgusting sort of manner. But regardless, I every time I see it, I'm looking at it and just, just wondering what it, what it tastes like. And I remember actually <laughs> having a sloppy Joe in the United States and it certainly didn't live up to expectation. It wasn't as good as a Philly cheesesteak for instance, which which is... I, I make Philly cheesesteak a lot, and <laughs> they are it. amazing. And I occasionally do Sloppy Joe. You, know, you can get that American Sloppy Joe tin sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's delicious, yeah. but like, who fucking needs that mess? But do you no, remember, it's so messy. Do you so remember in, uh, in Roseanne, where Dan and Roseanne opened their own loose yes. meat sandwich? And I was like, what the fuck is... What's loose meat? And what's, <laughs> what is it normally if it's not loose? Sounds like damaged goods to me. Yeah. But it uh, it just that actually that now that I think about it that their entire shop every time they talked about the loose meat sandwich place, oh, fuck I wouldn't mind a loose meat. I don't know what kind of meat. <laughs> I don't know what kind of meat it is, but it could be spam for all I know. But I it's want. It's like it. when you yeah. see Americans woofing down a massive chili dog, and it's like that mess is just not worth it. Yeah, I feel yeah. you. I feel you. Even do you remember? Like I remember watching ET and and being like, what the fuck is these? What's Hershey's? Oh yeah! Like yeah, what absolutely. is this? Like all the chocolate and stuff that they yeah. would have in it, and the mm. you know, peanut butter cups and and stuff, and reading comic books, and they had like Charlton bar ads, and you're like, what the? Mm. Fuck is How good does a Charlton the, must be a Charlton the, bar? The the baby Ruth in Goonies, oh, the, yeah, you know all <laughs> of these chocolate bars, and it's just like eventually when we did get the import candy and trying these things, I remember trying Dr Pepper for the first time when it finally came to Australia, albeit briefly the first did, not the one. Did you have, a, did you have yeah. a truck that came to school? We had a Dr. No, Pepper no, truck no, where they amazing. gave out they gave out those little kind of grenade-sized Dr. Yeah. Pepper to, to kind of get the kids hooked on it. And it <laughs> That's such a smart idea. Smart yeah. idea. No, we had, we had the newspaper, the Sunday newspaper in Brisbane, and um, you could take your clipping to 7-Eleven to redeem it for a can, and they were doing it before they actually were selling it to the public. So that was the way to get it and try it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like everybody I knew hated it. Obviously, I'm a huge Dr. Pepper fan. Um, but after seeing it so many times in movies throughout the years from childhood, Children of the Corn and things like that, it was one of those things. And sometimes, you know, when you finally do have those things, they do meet expectation. But yeah, it's <laughs> the floppy, other floppy one Joe, is um, the dialogue sandwich, not so much. <laughs> the other one is Pepto Bismol. Like they just down that like it's yeah. a soft drink. Yeah. Totally, yeah, yeah. But anyway, Smokey and the Bandit. I don't know if uh, there's anyone in this world that hasn't seen it. I imagine so maybe Sam and maybe um, maybe Sam, maybe Adam. Definitely Adam. Um, 
Uh, actually, pretty much anyone that's not the three of us that does any segments <laughs> on this podcast. But it's a classic from 77. It's a cross-country journey about the bandit and the snowman, and they've got a truck full of bootleg beer that they've got to get over state lines. Um, they've made a bet with two old boys in Texas, uh, but they've got to uh, evade <laughs> Uh, you know, a sheriff played by Jackie Gleason because they've got a runaway bride in the car as well, played by you for very, young and very beautiful, <laughs> oh, incredible. You know, it's it's directed by Hal Needham, who was a stunt man. Obviously, Hal Needham people might know from Rad, the incredible film Rad from 1986, skateboarding classic. Ah, uh, sorry, what did I say? Skateboarding. I was thinking of Thrashing, the incredible BMX classic. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a hilarious cross country journey with amazing stunts and you watch it and you realize that everything you see on screen was done in camera and done live. It's not like fast and furious or anything of that. And it is just still awe inspiring. I watched the 4k restoration of it recently and it looks incredible. It's it's such a classic. Here are my, my two, um, speaking of bandit stories. Firstly, I watched the, the, all three of them with my kids when they were young and they absolutely adored it. And they would, even to this day, they, they call me a tick turd and things like that. You know, <laughs> the vernacular stuck. But the other one is when, when the trilogy came out on Blu-ray, first thing I thought was, I can't wait to catch number three on Blu-ray. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know, what, what is my fixation on number three? I don't get it. It's not the best of the lot. It's the worst, but... But so I'm, few films get to the third film, so it's an achievement in its own. So I can appreciate you having sort I of just, a deep-seated satisfaction with the somehow with I, just getting there. Somehow I feel like it still keeps the tone. Like it, it actually cons- mm. it's consistent. The production design's consistent. Yeah. And and I love that fact that Jackie Gleason originally played the bandit and they had to remove all of that and change it and bring in um what's his name that played the truck driver? I can't remember. Off the top of my head. Oh, uh, uh, Jerry, Jerry Reed. Jerry Reed, and he Jerry became Reed. the bandit. But there's that one yeah. production photo of, of uh, Jackie Gleason as the bandit, and it's priceless. Very cool. Very cool. I've never seen the uh, made for TV oh. four through seven or eight. <laughs> I've got um, them. But <laughs> They're not good. They're not I'm, good. Okay. I was going to say, I am curious, but maybe not that curious. Because I have the uh, DVD set that has all of them together. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But um, they were directed by Hal Needham. Yeah, he did all of them. I can't believe it. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. incredible. It probably just would have been like the Planet of the Apes movies. Like, as much of a success as the first one was, like, let's make a sequel, but we're going to give you half the money. Not like mm-hmm. today where they're like, well, the first one was successful. Let's build on that. You get more money for the next one. Yeah. Back then it was, no, we're going to we're gonna try and you know, strike, uh, get lightning in the bottle tw- twice. Oh, but these but ones are weird because... half the money. Make it with half were, the money. They were young banded, but in a contemporary setting. Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. um, like Dumb and Dumberer. Kind of. Kind or, yeah. uh, or, or that TV series Bates Motel. Yeah. It's like a prequel, but it's set in contemporary yeah. times. Yeah, totally. But that, totally. that was a weird thing that MCA and Universal did throughout the 90s was like going back to like their established franchises like Smokey and the Bandit and even... Dukes even, of Hazzard. Um, Dukes, yeah. Well, I was going to say Midnight Run. They went to Midnight Run and did that another Midnight Run with Shooter McGavin. I think. They yeah, Christopher McDonald. Third. Yeah. Yeah, they might have even done a third one. They did. And, uh, sure, and was yeah. it my favorite movie that I got off you guys at the uh, Fitzroy Film Roadhouse Two? Uh, Roadhouse Two. Jake Busey and Jonathan Shea. Yeah. Do you know there's I mean, a little it's... there's a little bit of regret, you know, giving that one away. 
It was yeah. it's never going to come out a again. A sequel that slipped through your hands. <laughs> if oh, I can find man. it, you're welcome to have it back because I will never watch it again. No, it's okay. I've I've got Hitcher too, and um. Oh, that's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you guys need to get together so you can have a new viewing of it because aren't you going to get him on the podcast to talk about um, Forsaken? I've that's been trying. Different. He has responded <laughs> once with a thumbs up, and that's it. Oh god. <laughs> you should get him under the pretense of it being one of his like art house sort of movies, like um, like that thing you do like, or something. I was gonna say the Doom Generation or something like that. He oh, was yeah. in like that, wasn't he? Or nowhere, one of those, one of those Doom, Doom Generation. Films. Yeah, set him up for one of those, and then go. Okay, so there were Forsaken Desert Vampires. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, what's the, what's the what was the buzzword of uh, of uh, COVID twenty twenty COVID? We'll pivot. We'll pivot pivot from a Doom Generation to uh, Forsaken Desert Vampires. Yeah, I want to see that segue, really. I think that'd be incredible. So you made Doom Generation. That was pretty good. Yeah. Forsaken. (laughs) What was it like working with Isabella Miko? Talking of um, segues. You'll have to tell it. Yeah. Still talking over each other. I, I was just like Ben. You're gonna have to tell him your story about um, 9/11. Yes, yes. <laughs> I can tell you where I was on 9/11. Watching, de- watching Forsaken <laughs> Desert Vampires, and then it going on uh, what me and my friends used to call a run, which meant uh, going to a porn, the porn store behind the next to the Greater Union Cinema in Russell Street in the city, and and and. The two of us, me and our friend Anthony, watching the planes crash into the two towers on the TV in the porn store. Going, hmm, Incredible. this looks serious. And, you know, and in my head thinking, well, this is probably going to be on the news a lot. I'm glad I've got this porn, so I've got something else to watch. Or you can hear some guy in the back room saying she's going down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's um there's no there's no comfortable way to pivot to Chloe's segment, so let's just do it. Hello everyone Yes, it's me, Chloe from the podcast Movie Night with the Richie Girls The highlight of your week I'm back gracing your presence in real time And I know you miss me, but never fear, I am here to stay I decided to take a different direction this week When I found it was just too hard to narrow anything down on the topic Because, you know, literally everything makes me hungry So I figured I had to take the opportunity when I saw it To talk about Brad Pitt Now, when you think about the golden god that is Mr. Bradley Pitt, you probably think about his gorgeous face. Or, you know, his abs. Or his stunningly gorgeous face. Or his butt. Or even the absolute mind-blowingly array of top-notch work he's put out into the world. I mean, you might even know him from his famous relationships with Jennifer Aniston, or the other evil one that stole him from Jennifer Aniston. But there's something about him that caught my eye, you know, as an avid emotional eater myself and someone who thinks about eating non-stop on the daily, is the fact that when I see his beautifully sculptured symmetrical face, he always seems to be eating. In fact, he can be seen eating in almost 60 movies. Noticing an actor eat in a movie isn't something totally uncommon. You see it all the time. So why is it so noticeable and strangely appealing when he does it? Now that's the million dollar question that I just don't have the answer for, but if I had to take a guess, it's because he's so bloody good at it. 
Now, some actors will take a big bite of food and ruin a take, or some will take a small bite and it's just totally unbelievable within a scene. But we all know that a scene just doesn't get filmed at once. It's multiple times. So theoretically, these actors are eating for hours. And I think it's a completely underrated talent. It's an underrated talent of Brad's to eat the way he does and then commit to the character. He's an underrated talent to make the content work while he's eating and then constantly blow us away with his performance. But not only that, have you seen him? Like, have you physically seen what he looks like? It's like, you don't make friends with salad? Dude, you don't make abs with ice cream. This guy's an anomaly. He's one with food and that, my friends, speaks to an audience. But it's also, you know, part of our culture as humans. Our days revolve around food. Well, mine does at least. When we're going to eat. How we're going to eat. What we're going to eat. We love food. And we love Brad Pitt. We love Brad Pitt eating food. It's just the food math equation we never knew we needed. You know, it's math that I can get behind. <laughs> but there's one movie in particular that caught my eye as a young lass. And that was most prominent in my mind when it came to this topic. And that's Ocean's Eleven. Now, you remember that one. George Clooney, Julia Roberts, Matt Damon. Oh, Matt Damon. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Brad is eating in, like, every scene. Okay, that's an exaggeration. But his character, Rusty Ryan, sure does like to eat. And ugh, same, babe. Same. Now, according to Pitt, he figured out that the casino robbing gang would be on such a tight schedule that his character would have to grab fast food whenever he could. And in fact... Your girl found a webpage called Snackalong that lists everything Rusty ate or drank in Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, I went there. So this, <laughs> this list includes, but is not limited to, nachos, salad, espresso, fairy floss, ice cream, lollipops, more ice cream, a burger, and even a shrimp cocktail. Now, rumour has it, Pitt consumed over 40 shrimp, or, you know, prawns for us Aussie folk, Filming that scene. 40. None of those food items are nutritious. And I do not condone that diet. However, Brad Pitt seems to say it's okay. And then, you know, it's good enough for me. The man even makes eating rats in Interview with a Vampire appetizing. Okay, maybe not appetizing, but come on. He did not look horrible. <laughs> now, what are some other movies that we see him eating in, you ask? Well, I'll be only too happy to tell you, my friends. You can go take a look at Ocean's 12, Ocean's 13, Meet Joe Black, Moneyball, Legends of the Fall, Seven, Seven Years in Tibet, Burn After Reading. Man, I could go on. Look, my whole point is we need to start a petition to get Brad to create his own ASMR website. A lot of celebrities have started their own podcasts or YouTube series over the pandemic, and I really just think the world needs this. Anyway, those are my slightly obsessive thoughts and I'm sticking with them. That's all from me this week and I hope you didn't miss me too much. Have a happy Monday, friends. Bad demon. <laughs> okay, so this, this show is running behind time, I reckon, so we better speed things up. But before we go into Adam's segment straight out of Chloe's, let's just do some filler here and talk about some other notable mentions. Um, are there any movies that make you hungry? I've got to say, fried green tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe. Fried mm. green tomatoes are fucking incredible. I make them all the time. But the problem here is you can't mm. buy green tomatoes anymore in grocery stores or supermarkets. So you've got to grow your own. But man, how good are they? 
and you do have that weird mukbang kind of obsession with uh, tomato stems, which uh, <laughs> I don't pretend to <laughs> understand. Hell. Now we have to lay some context onto that. That was like a private conversation. We can just leave it out there, and uh, you know, and just and just let people just let people something to think imagine. about. Yeah, yeah. What's well, my, do with tomato stems. My my wife may have um told Ben about a fetish of mine. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> now just leave oh, it no. just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> say, say no more. What about um the platform? Did that make you hungry? <laughs> oh Jesus. Yeah. You know what movie makes me hungry all the time? The blind side makes me hungry for some Sandra Bullock ass. <laughs> Good old Sandra Bullock. That, uh, it's the only movie, it's the only movie that happens. Like I can watch, I can watch Demolition Man and feel nothing. I watch The Blind Side, can't contain myself, literally and figuratively. Julie and Julia, you a fan of that? Bit of Meryl. All of the, I just think of those movies where they make the fancy food. Like aside from Big Night, which all the food there is like delicious, but when they make all of the like the guinea fowl and the, you know, and the tiny portion kind of like. You know, the food that they make in like Gosford Park and stuff, and you're like, who's fucking eating this shit? <laughs> like you like I do much prefer a movie like Hamburger where they're making, you know, <laughs> hamburger. Yeah. Or that that you know, the, that that 15 minute KFC movie with Mario Lopez where there's it's all about the KFC. Hey Ben, I was telling I was telling Jared this off off mic, but uh the new um fried chicken flavored shapes taste exactly like KFC. Get on them, boy. Fucking hell. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna buy a bunch and and like stock up. It'd be like, yeah. it'd be like everyone else would be in the supermarket buying toilet paper, and there's me buying KFC pizza shapes. I have legitimately, I've legitimately found a way to to curb that late night KFC craving. Just have those on hand. Those. Yeah. What What about Good Burger? You haven't even mentioned Good Burger. Yeah, Good Burger. Time episode, Glenn. What's the story? I thought that was going to be a shoe in. Well, you know, we've talked about it many times. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but just it as you were, stop Ben. Okay. <laughs> no, not at all. I've only watched five films, and I bring them up repeatedly. Have you seen a film called The Street Fighter? Now tell yeah. me, have you seen a film called The Street Fighter? Uh, some people call it Hard Times. <laughs> as you were talking, Jared, something came to mind. I know a dish in a movie that Ben would absolutely froth over. What about an Australian croissant from Exit to Eden? Oh God. <laughs> Fuck! I haven't seen Exit Eden in a long time. Back you, during my Dana Delaney fetish days. Do you remember Paul Mercurio lubes up Dana Delaney's nipple with a stick of butter and then puts cinnamon <laughs> on it, hands her the croissant and says, "Eat this while he sucks her tit." Genius. I've always, <laughs> I've always hard. said, I've always, said, you know, once upon a time, Paul Mercurio was working in the computer shop at Camberwell because his career wasn't going too great. But I would still, every time I walk past it, I'd still go, "The man's a genius." Well, that's right. I mean, you can't go wrong when you, you combine Anne Rice and Gary Marshall, but I'm thinking that um, <laughs> instead of Dan Aykroyd, they should have had Tom Arnold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. They could have, yeah, they could have done the switcheroonie. Because, I mean, Tom Arnold's yeah. been with Roseanne, so th- it's not a far stretch to think of him with Rosie O'Donnell. Totally. Agreed. Agreed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rosie O'Donnell in Dominatrix leather. <laughs> or they could have switched out, they could have switched uh, Dan Aykroyd out with Madonna because that, you know. Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell were together in a league of their own. Like <laughs> reading between reading between them lines, 
Hey. That's <laughs> why so she was always best friends with Madonna, because Madonna was a switch hitter. <laughs> a little baseball trivia for you there. That's great. That, that's a great pun. Look at that. <laughs> wow. Where do you go from there, Glenn? Hey guys, it's Adam here from Adam's Just Seen and Triple M with another good movie Monday recommendation. This week we are doing films that make us hungry and I'm going to go for a really recent film. Uh, and this film is surprising to me for a couple of reasons. And this film I'm talking about is Pig, the new movie from Nicolas Cage. Now Cage is in this strange area of his career now where he's seemingly saying yes to anything as long as it is really bonkers. And he's offering up these kabuki style bizarre performances in you know this absolute slate of strange movies and so you would think the movie here the way that it was sold this effectively this a24 version of john wick where a you know grizzled cage is on the hunt for vengeance after someone steals his truffle pig it sounds like the most inaccessible movie that you could possibly watch but pig is huge in a lot of ways in the way that it resonates. This is, to me, is actually a dead set accessible film. And so we follow this character, Robin, played here, um, you know, with a huge level of understatement by Nicolas Cage, honestly one of his best performances, I think, in the last couple of years. We follow him as him, he teams up with Amir, a young guy, and they do, they do go on the hunt for this pig, but the journey that they go on is one of kind of self-discovery and it's punctuated with these chapter, you know, these title cards that are dishes and they incorporate things like truffles, wild mushrooms, and they're honestly, they made me kind of salivate. And, you know, director here, Michael Sarnowski, is, A, has done this, you know, incredible film debut, but he manages to capture this thing that I've always kind of thought about food, that it's not just a meal, you know, it is, it's tradition, it's family, you know, they, they can be these place cards of our life, you know, these really memorable dishes. Uh, and he manages, you know, to get some incredible scenes out of the culinary arts. There is this one scene in this film where Robin confronts a chef who used to work for him and accuses him of kind of losing his purpose and losing his passion. And I think that that scene is pound for pound the best scene I've seen in any movie this year. So Pig has had a strange um, release in Australia because it was meant to be, you know, a big film here at MIFF, but then that was all digital. And now the film is available on Amazon. You can kind of rent it and watch it. It's a shame that we don't get to see this one on the big screen. But um, yeah, but as it stands, Pig is right up there as my favourite films of the year. A movie that will make you care a huge amount about a truffle pig, uh, will reinstate your faith in Nicolas Cage and will make you salivate with the dishes that are contained inside it. Check it out immediately. Well, that's about it, guys. Um, geez, it's, it's a, this has been a fun one. But while we've got you here, Jarrett, um, mm. have you got anything on the horizon that people might like to hear about? I, 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 hear, I see you've been flogging the shit out of Coming Home in the Dark over at Monster. It's true. We've got Coming Home in the Dark coming out on Home Entertainment November 3rd. We've gone to every length imaginable to make the Blu-ray a deluxe edition. Um, Ben's been hard at work getting all number of special features for it. I produced a couple myself and uh, yeah, we're excited for that one to actually make it to audiences because it opened in New Zealand. Obviously New Zealand and within like three, four days of its release. Then in Australia, when we've released it, we've had no cinemas in New South Wales or Victoria or ACT. So it's just, yeah, it's exciting that the film's going to get out there because it's a very good film and we're really excited for people to see it and uh, just buy it, blind buy it. 
Um, Excellent. Be disappointed. I loved yeah. it. I highly endorse it. Um, you but, did, you did. And I, yeah. I used your quotes all over the marketing. Uh, even this weekend, you'll see a quote card go out and it's got one of your quotes on there, emblazed Excellent. upon there. So thank oh. you for your kind words. It goes without saying, it's awesome to have you back on the show for a full episode. So cheers for playing along. Thank you for having me. I hope I'm not cancelled after this podcast. <laughs> Let's just hope the bosses don't hear it. Um, but I'm going to do a quick <laughs> quick whip around for some of the thank yous. Much appreciation to Guillermo, Adam, Joe, Chad, and James. And of course, uh, welcome back to Chloe. And without a doubt, a huge thanks to Tia, who works um, behind the scenes. And um, really appreciate it. And Ben, um, there's another show in the bank, mate. Thank you, sir. Uh, you're most welcome. Anything else you want to add to the uh, discussion before we go? I think I've said more than enough. (laughs) Well, thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, Don't forget to join us on the uh, social media pages this week. We have videos galore on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And uh, you can even have fun with us on TikTok. So visit goodmoviemonday.com as well, where everything we produce is archived. And you can go back through all of our previous episodes and videos. Uh, I'm going to be self-indulgent again because rarely do I get a chance to play Primus on the show. Uh, but this is the episode that allows me to geek out. So this is Shake Hands with Beef, one of the doozies. And um, turn this one up. Take care, everyone. Catch you next week. <laughs>